welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Possibly the most versatile of all criminal victims is one Mike Marin of New Jersey. Over the course of five years, he endured 83 muggings and was hospitalized 20 times. In achieving that record, he was knifed, shot at twice, bludgeoned with a metal pipe, lost several teeth, was robbed of $2,000 in cash, several bags of groceries, and four cars. Now, according to newspaper reports, police offered him a walkie-talkie as a quick way of summoning help, but he turned him down, saying, they'd probably only take it from me. Victim. Now, that's a word that we hear a lot these days. I realize that some rush to the word too quickly and too often. There are those that claim they are being victimized regardless of the whole truth of their story. But every so often we come across a situation like Mike's, who was genuinely a victim, a victim of unfair and unjust treatment. And you can't help but having your heart go out to this guy. Well, if anyone knew about unfair treatment, about mistreatment, about being an innocent victim on the receiving end, well, it was Joseph. Well, first of all, he received unfair treatment from his family. His brothers hated him, wanted to kill him, and sold him to slavery instead of killing him. Next, his circumstances became unexpectedly restricted. He became a slave in a land where he didn't even know the language. In one minute, he's a 17-year-old boy with his whole life ahead of him, and the next, well, he's totally at the mercy, actually, the property of some stranger. Following all of that, he was falsely accused. After earning the favor of his master Potiphar, the master's wife tries to seduce Joseph. And as we saw the last time we were together, he did not submit to her wishes. And when he did not submit, she lied and she accused him of rape. And as a result, he's unjustly placed in prison and he's left abandoned there. Now that's where we find Joseph in this week's study. He's in prison. Well, in fact, according to Genesis chapter 40, verse 15, he's in a dungeon. He's back in a pit again, only this time it's an Egyptian pit. It seems like it's deja vu all over again. Now, how old was Joseph? Well, no one knows for sure, probably in his late 20s. A bigger question seems to be, where was God? I mean, we can see God in the good things. We can even see him in the questionable things. But where is God when everything is just so unfair? Where is God when you and I go through our dungeon experience? Let's go to our study, Genesis chapter 39, beginning here at verse 21. We read, But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him, 
and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail, so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Where was God? Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. That's where God was. He was right there. He never left. He was there. He was with Joseph. Not only that, he did for Joseph what he had done before. It says that he gave him favor in the eyes of others. Uh, twice we read in that short account, the Lord was with Joseph. And Joseph began to see the hand of God in his prison experience. You see, false accusations put Joseph in prison, but was the Lord who stayed near to him and nurtured him while he was there. And as a result, Joseph found favor in the eyes of the chief jailer. We'll call him the warden. The warden trusted Joseph to the point that he put Joseph in charge of all of the prisoners. He trusted and respected him so much that the warden didn't have to supervise anything that was under Joseph's charge. Why? Because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Do you see it? See, the Lord remained first in Joseph's life. He was the focus of Joseph's life. The lens of God's will stood between Joseph and his circumstances, enabling Joseph to see God in the circumstances, to read God in the circumstances, and enabling God to use him even in these circumstances. So when a dungeon experience comes, the quickest, the easiest response is to feel that we have been forgotten by God. I mean, have you ever felt that way? I know I have. You cry out to God and nothing comes in return. Make no mistake about it. Joseph did not deserve to be in jail, but he responded to it beautifully. That's... That's the marvel of the story. First and foremost in his life was this vital and consistent relationship with his Lord. And because of that, God was able to use Joseph in very strategic and significant ways. Genesis chapter 40, beginning at verse 1. Then it came about after these things the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offered their lord the king of Egypt, and Pharaoh was furious with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. You see, the cupbearer, that was the person who tasted the wine and the food before the Pharaoh would eat it or drink it. This way, if the food was poisoned, it was goodbye cupbearer and long live the Pharaoh. 
in many ways, the cupbearer, well, was one of the most trusted men of all the court. If that trust was ever broken, serious consequences would surely follow. Now, something like that must have happened to land the cupbearer in the Pharaoh's jail, as did the chief baker. The specifics of what led to the falling out and the punishment, well, we're never told. But whatever it was, it made the Pharaoh so furious that he sent both to jail. And since God's ways are deep and profound, it happened to be the same jail where Joseph was imprisoned. So Joseph and these two men have landed in the prison for different reasons. They found themselves in the same place, sharing similar miseries. And out of this experience, Joseph was able to minister to them. The plot thickens, chapter 40, beginning at verse 4. And the captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them, and he took care of them, and they were in confinement for some time. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in jail, both had a dream the same night, each man with his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. And he asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? You know, I smile as I read this account because if anybody ought to have a sad face, it would be Joseph. His plight was much worse than theirs was. They were there on the whim of Pharaoh. And surely, I mean, they're not going to be there forever. But Joseph, well, he had been accused by the chief executioner's wife. He didn't know if he'd ever see the light of day again. But in spite of his own circumstances, he notices the plight of these two men. You see, when your heart is right, even though the bottom may have dropped out of your life, it is remarkable how sensitive you can be to someone else in need. And rather than saying, hey, you guys think you got problems? Hey, pull up a stool and listen to my story. No, Joseph said, hey guys, how come you're so sad today? What's wrong? Now, <clears throat> I admit it might be stating the obvious to be asking this kind of a question in a dungeon. But it shows Joseph's ability to think beyond his own immediate cares and needs in order to minister mercifully to others. You know, one of the most beautiful things about the right attitude is that with every day, there is sunshine. He said, guys, why the sad faces? What's going on in this dungeon? Uh, verse 8, first part, Genesis 40. They said to him, we had a dream, and there is no one to interpret it. Ooh, I bet you Joseph had to bite his lip when he heard that. They were worried about a dream they could not interpret. Little did they know they were in the midst of the dreamer of all dreamers. Verse 8, the last part. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. Now, 
it's rather amazing that Joseph would want to have anything to do with dreams. The last time he did, remember what happened? He told his brothers about his dreams and he ended up in a pit and then in an Egyptian slave market. You think he might have said, listen, not me, man. I'm off dreams forever. But not Joseph. He said, a dream, hmm. Well, tell me about it. Verse 9. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph, and he said to him, In my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As it was budding, its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes and squeezed them into the Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup into Pharaoh's hands. What in the world does that mean, the cupbearer asked. Here's what it means, Joseph says. The three branches are three days. And in three days, you will be restored to your position as cupbearer. Then he added, when that happens, remember me. And he explained a little bit of his plight and a little bit of his innocence. So here we have Joseph's humanity emerging. I love this. He's not some plaster saint. He's a real person. He knew that sometimes inmates got out of prison, well, by knowing the right people. And who is going to be closer to the Pharaoh than the cupbearer? You can't blame him for that. Now, in the meantime, the baker's been listening in on the conversation. He must have thought, oh, Maybe my dream is good news also. And so he turns to Joseph and he says, now here's my dream, verse 16. When the chief baker said that he had interpreted favorably, he said to Joseph, I also saw in my dream and behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head and in the top basket, there were some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh. And the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Well, what does that mean, the baker asked? Well, Joseph said, this one's a little different. You've got to respect Joseph's integrity. He knew the dream meant this guy was going to be killed. Now, who wants to be the one delivering that message? I mean, he could have told the baker anything. He could have made up a lie. Baker's never going to know the difference. And even if he did, well, by the time he figures it out, it's too late. But Joseph was a man who told the truth. He's not out to win friends. He's representing God. The three baskets, he says, are three days. And in three days, he will be executed. That was grim. But Joseph told him the truth. You see, I emphasize this point because I want us all to understand something. Having a positive attitude towards God does not mean living unrealistically where you tell everyone nice, upbeat things all the time, whether those things are true or not. Listen, I believe in talking positively, but I don't believe in lying. I believe in thinking positively, talking positively. Well, because that's the only way Christians can think and talk when they see things through the eyes of Jesus Christ. But that's not the same thing as living in a dream world or saying something just to make someone feel good 
even when it's not the truth. Joseph comes out and says, my friend, your days are numbered. Three to be exact. And that's exactly what happened. The events involving these men came out exactly as Joseph had predicted. Verse 20. Thus it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker amongst his servants. And he restored the chief cupbearer to his office and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted to them. When Joseph saw the cupbearer taken from the prison, he must have thought, this is my chance. This guy, he's got Pharaoh's ear. In no time, I'm out of here. We don't know if Joseph knew exactly what had happened to these men. But when they were released, exactly within the time that was predicted, he had to have figured out that with God's help, he had given the correct interpretation to those dreams. So he waits. He waits for his opportunity to be released and set free. Though he had done no wrong, though he had only told the truth, though he had specifically requested to be remembered, only silence prevailed. Joseph's hopes were dashed. Verse 23. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he was standing by the Nile. Talk about disappointment. Instead of being remembered, instead of being rewarded, he was forgot again for two years. For two years after the cupbearer was released, Joseph remained in that dungeon. Now, notice the emphasis the Bible places on two full years, two long, monotonous, miserable years. What did Joseph think about during that time? You see, the human tendency, well, that would be to think that God had forgotten him. Yet, there was none of that. This remarkable man, victimized again and again and again, continued to trust, to hope, and to lean on God. Now, some of you watching today, you've been victimized. You've been misjudged. You've been abandoned by friends and, and family. Perhaps some of you have had these things inflicted upon you by a Christian. That's painful. But I want to tell you something that you might find difficult to accept. But you need to understand that. It's that it's in this kind of pain that God gives his best messages. It's what C.S. Lewis calls God's megaphone. In the problem of pain, he writes, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. Disillusionment 
is a dangerous, slippery slope. First, we become disillusioned about our fellow man. Then we move on to cynicism. Before long, we trust no one. We don't even trust God. We've been burned. We've been taken advantage of. We've been mistreated. Let me tell you, I've never met an individual who was truly, truly disillusioned with mankind who has not become disillusioned also with God. The cause of disillusionment and the cure for it can be expressed in almost the same simple words. You see, the cause of disappointment is putting one's complete hope and trust in people, putting people on a pedestal, focusing on people, finding security in people, being so uh, horizontally locked in that that individual, that person, begins to take the place of God, sometimes even becomes your God. Your complete hope can and must rest in only one person. I'll tell you, it can't be your child, it can't be your spouse, it can't be your pastor, it can't be your friend, it can't be your business partner. Because when the feet of clay crumble, and certainly they will, total disappointment sets in. So what's the cure? Well, the cure is putting our complete hope and our complete trust in one person, the living Lord. When we do that, the simplest messages from God, they begin to calm our spirits. Now listen to me. You victims of mistreatment, more importantly, don't listen to me, listen to God's truth. God has a hundred messages to give you during a hundred different dungeon experiences. He knows just the right message at the right time and what it takes to receive it is just a simple, sensitive, obedient, trusting heart. Not a heart preoccupied with revenge or bitterness or hostility, but a heart that simply says, Lord God, help me now. Deliver me from my own prison. Help me to see beyond this darkness to see your hand. As I'm being crushed right now, remold me. Help me to see you in this abandonment. Pray that prayer. Turn your trial into trust as you look to God to tenderly use that affliction, that dungeon, that abandonment for His purpose. I plead with you. Do that right now. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we know you have not abandoned us. You have not forgotten us. You understand our heartache. You want to bring us into a sensitive walk with you. May you do for each and every one of us what you did for Joseph. 
give us the grace to endure. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, as we do with every program, we always search out resources for your spiritual library to help you become better grounded in the message that God has for your life. And today, I uh, sourced out this little book here. It's called Story of Hope. It says it's a glimpse into a time when suffering will be no more. I want to send you this book, a gift, no charge. No obligation whatsoever on your part. If you're interested in receiving it, here's the information you need. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you can order this offer by calling our 1-800 number at one 800 972-0337 While on our website, you can leave a prayer request and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another program. Thank you so much for tuning in. Before we go, a few things I just want to remind you of. One of them is our website, uh, l4ltv.com. Uh, the website is a great way to get resources, to find out where I'll be appearing live. All of the programs are on there for you watching. Uh, you can send in Bible questions. And there's a tab there that says Donate Today. You can make a donation online to the ministry, knowing that every penny you commit goes directly to this ministry to pay for airtime, studio time, the gifts we give out, not one penny of that comes to me personally. It all is reinvested in this ministry. Want to remind you of our Facebook page, like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, all of the programs are on there and shortly after this program ends you'll be able to find it on the YouTube channel as you will on our Facebook page and on our uh, uh, web page also. I want to remind you of another website that we have. It's the missionnowcanada.com website. And Mission Now Canada is a program or a division of our Lessons for Living Ministries that focuses on overseas mission work. We have a wonderful project where we deliver free medical and dental services uh, in various places around the world. And we do buildings, we help uh, build uh, orphanages, housing for indigenous people, all kinds of fascinating projects that are done overseas. If you're interested in participating and joining us on one of our upcoming mission trips, missionnowcanada.com is where you'll find out where that is. 
and or if you're interested in donating to the overseas component of our work, missionnowcanada.com is where you can do that also. They're telling me we're out of time, so we must go. I'm so glad that you are here. I hope to see you back here again next time. God bless you in the meantime.